Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, From Crisis to Connection. Each week on this podcast, my guests and I will give you and your loved ones resources and tools to heal from the crises of infidelity, pornography, abusive behaviors, and betrayal trauma. But we also talk about how to build and maintain healthy connection in your most important relationships. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you're here. Hey everyone, welcome back. It's good to be with all of you as always. This week I am going to have part two of my interview with Thomas. If you have not listened to my previous episode with him where you get his full story, talked about his recovery, the work he's doing with his wife, and just his journey of the last several years, then I would definitely encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. It's just the one right before this one. In this episode, we're going to talk about his way of sponsoring and supporting other men in the recovery process. He's involved in the 12-step program through SA Lifeline, SAL program. We had Stephen and Real Croshaw on the podcast a while back where they talk about that. But Thomas is going to talk specifically about what it really means to sponsor guys, why that's helpful, and really what it means to be a supporter of someone else in recovery. And he's got some great wisdom and great insights. This guy, again, is just working so hard in his recovery, and you can just feel it, and it's just so inspiring. So without further ado, I'll jump right into my interview with Thomas. Thomas, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. It's been fun to hang out with you in the studio today. Um, like I said in the last episode, Thomas drove down here from Salt Lake and is uh, was just all in to come down here and record. And I just love it. It's so cool having a person live in the studio with me. I'm using her by myself, talking to a screen. And so I'm just telling you, post-COVID, where we've all been talking to screens for a year, it's so nice to have a human being <laughs> in here interacting. So thank you for making that sacrifice to come down. Yeah, I'm grateful that it worked out. So we're going to talk in this episode about sponsoring and giving support, specifically in a 12-step context. But I think a lot of what we're going to talk about also applies to just giving support to people you may know that are dealing with any sort of crisis, addiction, any sort of a challenge in their life. You know, and there's there's as many challenges as there are people, but these principles of how to support and be be supportive and helpful in ways that are not going to one do more harm, but I think more commonly shut people down and, and they don't come back for more support. Yeah, and so I I love that we're going to talk about this because I know obviously as in my role as a therapist, this is what I do every day, but I also know with my wife and my kids and other people like that, there are just so many people out there who are looking for safe people to talk to mm-hmm. and, and need that. And so to, to really learn the art of this and the, the ability to be there for other people, I, I think is such a worthy topic. So I agree. I'm really yeah. looking forward to having a, a authentic conversation about this because I feel like everyone has something yeah. and there are so many opportunities for us to give support in a variety of ways. And I think it's important to kind of understand my role 
when I'm giving support, whether I am a friend that needs to just support and give encouragement, or on the other end of the spectrum, if I am a sponsor and I have yep. formal responsibilities to that individual. So I think it's going to be interesting to talk about the differences. Yeah, that's, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So let's dive in. I mean, let's, for those of you who maybe aren't familiar with 12-step work, you've probably heard the term sponsor get thrown around or whatever, but let's give some context here and explain what exactly that is in the 12-step tradition. Yeah. What's interesting is that it means different things in different 12-step programs. So for instance, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Addiction Recovery Program, they don't have a formal program of sponsoring currently. Yeah, that's right. They encourage you to have a support team. Obviously, God and Jesus Christ are part of that support team, followed by friends in the program, a spouse, uh, professional therapists. They have they list a lot of people that can be part of that support team. But different from that is the SA program, the based on the AA program, Sexaholics Anonymous or Sexaholics Anonymous Lifeline, SA Lifeline. Those programs have more of a, a formal yeah. sponsoring program where you find a sponsor and that sponsor has uh, commitments to you and you have commitments to that sponsor. Yeah. And the way you find that sponsor is through the meetings. Correct. Right. You identify someone who has, you know, who's been in the program longer, who's got a certain amount of uh, success or sobriety, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it, it might just be someone who's further ahead in the process than you. Yeah. Other groups, the dynamics can be a little bit different group to group. And sometimes they'll say, no, if you're going to sponsor, you've had to have gone through all 12 steps. And or maybe have been sober from acting out for six or 12 months in order to be a sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so basically being a sponsor puts you in a position where people are coming to you and seeking support and guidance and encouragement in a much more structured, formal way. And when you say that you have obligations to them and they have obligations or commitments, is that the word you used? Mm -hmm. you have commitments, both directions. What are those commitments? Well, I want a sponsee to be actively working their recovery. Being a sponsor is not just being a friend to someone. It's actually saying, you know, helping them through the 12 steps. And let me start by saying it's not always right. There needs to be, it needs to be the right person to oh, yeah. be the sponsor or yeah, to be sure. a sponsee. You kind of need to be on the same wavelength mm -hmm. as to what's expected. And that conversation needs to happen up front as to what is going to be the expectation. So for instance, relapse is not a reason for me to drop someone. That's not one of my conditions. But if they are not actively working 12 steps and keeping up on step work and pushing forward with writing and working the steps, then I don't really see that I'm helping them. Yeah, it's not a good fit, right? Yeah, then it's not a good fit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think that's part of it. Uh, some of those commitments, again, could be just going to weekly class, staying, keeping your head in the game with recovery, working the, the steps. And when I say working the steps, that could mean different things to different people too. So for me, that means reading material and writing answers to questions. Because that's introspective. It helps one get to know themselves. It helps one connect with their higher power. And I want to see them 
progressing. Mm-hmm. And if it becomes stagnant, and despite any encouragement I'm giving or homework I'm giving, then I'm probably not the right person for them because I'm not helping them progress. Yeah, yeah. And you've you've benefited from support. Absolutely. From other sponsors, yeah? Yes, I have. So as part of the 12 steps, step 12 is service. So after having had an awakening as a result of the atonement of Jesus Christ or as a result of these steps, help others and practice these principles in all that you do. So giving support, being a sponsor is part of step 12 and is part of giving back to the community that that I benefited so much from. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And last last episode, uh, last week when I first uh, interviewed you on the last one, we talked about this little bit of a tug of war between the therapeutic community, therapists and 12-step. And we had a good discussion about that. And I, I guess I'll just say in review that that this tug of war really in a lot of ways is pretty unnecessary, mm-hmm. <laughs> not helpful because they both offer something different. I heard one, in fact, I heard one of the administrators of the the 12-step program through the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I think he said, he goes, 12-step is kind of like, you know, it's like going to get support for having cancer and dealing with everything that goes with that, where you still need to go see the physician to work on cutting the cancer out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he says, like, they work together. You need to like, and I, I thought that was an interesting metaphor. He just He just was trying to say, look, there's no need to sort of elevate one over the other. I, I like that. I do feel like the 12 steps are medicine and that in and of themselves, they, they are really powerful in terms of helping to, to help me. They were helpful for me to, to see my, my problem, to admit that I had a problem, to admit that it was unmanageable, to list out exactly what I had done to damage other people and then to make restitution to those other people, and then to move on with my with my life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree with that, and I I don't understand the tug of war either, but I kind of do because sometimes I can understand the angst of a spouse if she's living with a man who says I've I've been going to twelve steps for two two years, but yet he's still relapsing every week. Yeah, and it might be easy for her to say, oh, the twelve steps don't work. Yeah, because my husband is still relapsing. Mm-hmm. Sure, that, that's that's sad but true. That's a scenario that does happen. Also happens in therapy, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> thank <laughs> some, you for saying that. Thank some you. people go to therapy and they don't, you know, they're either they're not getting the right kind of help, or there's there's a bad fit. They're not getting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's all kinds of factors, right? But there's not some magic solution to that's, this. Yeah, that's very fair of you to say that. Yeah, and it can be. Very tricky, but that's why I believe it's that sponsoring is a is a serious commitment. Yeah, because it's not a place to coddle mm-hmm. a man in his addiction. It's not just a place where a man can relapse, and I'm going to pat him on the back and say, "Oh, it's okay, no big deal." That's not what sponsoring is about. I love that. I love that, and and I agree that there's. I don't know if it, it's a it's a fear that I've heard from. Again, I mostly work with men that struggle with this, but it's a fear I've heard from a lot of wives and some of it's founded in truth, which is my husband goes to this group and everybody's just patting each other on the back and they're also proud of each other for like 
these minuscule efforts to basically do the things I should have been doing anyway. And yeah. it just feels like a club where he can go and just feel good about all his bad behavior. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that over and over again and the fear there. And, and so to have a sponsor who's basically going to say, these efforts aren't cutting it. You need, you know, I don't know how the, the language you might use, but it basically the message is, it's like, you can do better than this. Yeah. Hold them accountable. Have some conversations like that. Mm-hmm. And it is difficult. Yeah. Because I have held up a mirror to some men and they didn't like it. I, and, I, and I have directly said, this is the behavior. This is what I'm seeing is happening. And I never hear from them again. Oh, wow. And that's hard. Oh, yeah. Because I care about these men. I learn about their lives. I do due diligence to make sure that I feel like it's going to be a good fit for me. I personally like to work with men that I feel like are at their rock bottom. Because when they're at the rock bottom, that's when they're really going to change. Yeah. So if I can sense that a man is really at his rock bottom, I like to work with that person. And if they're really open to change, making real change in their life, that's the kind of man that I, I really enjoy working with. And, but still, sometimes even being using discretion, it still is sad for me when I get dropped. You know, someone drops me because I, I didn't say something they liked. And that's unfortunate. But I care about these men and I picture them as, as if I was talking to my own son. Mm. Or to my own brother, because they're my brothers. Yeah. And I try to be loving and patient and understanding. And man, when you get to know some of their stories, like men who have been abused themselves as children or, or men whose fathers were just really, really rough on them or just completely disconnected or men who didn't have father figures at all. You really, I really do have a, a sense of empathy and love for them and want to help each of them. Yeah, I love that. And I, I, did, a, uh, I did an episode previously with uh, a guy named Connor Beaton, and we talked about male friendship and just about the loss of friendship for so many men and how difficult it is and, un, and just uncommon it is for guys to have a man they can open up to and connect with and push them and challenge them. And one of the things he said that really, really inspired me is he just said, because we were talking about friendships and finding, I think I had asked him the question, and this was a little bit self-revealing, right? Because I, I, I think that this was, had been an area for me that was a personal struggle, but I, mm -hmm. I basically said something like, well, what if another guy's not safe? Mm -hmm. What if you're, you know, and Connor's like, well, you know, you definitely don't need to be with somebody who's a bully. Oh, yeah. He's all but. You do want to be with guys who make who you're a little bit uncomfortable around. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, and it's, he talked about the need to associate with men that aren't going to be satisfied with the status quo, that are going to call you out, that are going to push you and confront you. Because men are good at that. Because mm -hmm. that's this is a real strength and quality that men can bring to the world and to their friendships and relationships. And I think sponsoring has this kind of built into it if it's done right. Yes, it, it should does. be a little bit uncomfortable, right? Like you said, it's not going to be just. Hey, we're all buddies and we're all just going to feel good with each other. It's like, no, we're here to like show up for our most important relationships. We're here to live with integrity. Yes. And that's going to require some, uh, some feedback and some, some challenging, right? Yeah. I love all that conversation about male friendship. And I have a lot of friends that I've made at 12 step groups over the years. I believe it. I believe and it. And we do stuff together. Like we, 
we'll play disc golf together. Oh, I love disc golf. I do too. <laughs> I discovered that a few years ago and I was shocked how much I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, I've, I've got a group up in Salt Lake. We call ourselves the Redisc Recovery Brothers. Oh my goodness, that's good. <laughs> and we, we have a lot of fun. We go a couple times a week and it's just a great place for connection. Yeah, and we can just awesome. be like, hey, did you hear that podcast the other night? Or hey, did you go to that uh, recovery fireside? Amazing. And we can talk and throw and just have a good time. And everybody's real, right? Because yeah. y'all know the drill. It's like, we're just yeah. not here to hide and pretend. Hey, how's your step four? Yeah, exactly. You know, stuff like that <laughs> where you can't do that with most people, but yeah, it's been, it's really fun. So cool. I love that. Yeah. So, so the sponsoring thing for a lot of guys that, like you said, a lot of guys that, and I think a lot of guys in re, in recovery, a lot of guys that struggle with addictions or with compulsive behaviors, a lot of it's attachment based, right? Oh, the, totally. the wounds. And so there, there are losses, whether it's a father loss or, a, you know, abuse or trauma from trusted figures in their life or things like that. And, 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 and having a healing relationship with somebody who sees you and is checking on you and following up and cares about you and is pushing you. And a lot of the ways that a, a male role model, a father figure would do, there's something very corrective about that. Very therapeutic. For sure. Right. That, yes. That even a therapist would never be able to touch. I mean, it's just so, I love the informality of it, but the structure that kind of holds both those people in that commitment. Yeah, I mean, it's almost cliche to say that addiction is an attachment disorder, but it is so true. I mean, right. whether it's as an addict, I connected to the wrong things. That's right. And learning how to connect to the right things is part of the healing process. And now I can connect with other brothers, I can connect with my wife, and I can connect with God mm -hmm. in ways that I never was able to before. Right. Right. That's so cool. I love it. So you talk about, uh, you'd shared with me that there's a difference between sponsoring and supporting. Mm -hmm. And I had never actually thought of that distinction before you said that. So tell us about that. What's the difference? Yeah. I think we should also include friendship on okay. that spectrum because it's possible just to have another friend who's, who's maybe not struggling with the same thing or not admitting that they're struggling with the same thing, but they understand and they want to be your friend and they want to give you encouragement. That's a friend. The next step up from that is a support person. A support person knows more of your story. They know more of your struggle. They may understand some of your triggers, but um, their, main, their main role as, as a support person is to maybe just encourage, just to listen and to understand and to show up when you need somebody to talk to. Then a higher level than that is a sponsor. And a sponsor can be a friend, can be a support person, but there's an, an additional layer there where again, it's you're there to help people progress. And as a sponsor, I take that responsibility seriously. I want time with my sponsee every week. And depending on where they're at in their recovery, sometimes I want contact with that brother every day. So Sometimes I'll ask for a daily check-in. They'll text me how they're doing, or they'll call me or leave me a voicemail. That's for them, and it's also for me to kind of have a pulse in their lives. Sponsors, uh, as a sponsor, I, I will ask them, how's your step work coming? You know, how, how much did you get done on step four? How's your list coming for step eight? And, and, and helping them progress because we're procrastinators. <laughs> and yep, and yep. guess what? And it, 
the the adage "it takes one to know one" mm-hmm. is true here, because sometimes I'll get done listening to a brother say something, and I'll be like, "Do you see what's happening here?" <laughs> yeah, and that's a hard conversation to have, and then to hold up that mirror to them and say, "Here's what I see," and they'll be, and sometimes they're they can get defensive at that, but then I I have to just go back and say. You know I love you. You know I'm here because I want to support you, but I don't. I I can't see how what you just told me is accurate. You know, right? Because you've told yourself the same thing yeah. so many times. It's like, yeah, it's like how in the world, you know, we're not going to get anywhere with this because you know exactly where that path took you before. Yep. And so, yeah, I love that that you hold up the mirror because you have all the reflexes inside to to sniff that stuff out. You just it's so yeah. familiar to and, you. And and so friends can do that. Support people can do that, but in my my view, sponsors have a responsibility to do that. Yeah, that's good. And if it means that I it costs me the relationship sometimes to be honest with a man and and show and hold up that mirror to him, so be it. And that's a risk I have to take because I feel like I need to be honest with men sometimes, and sometimes the truth hurts. But I am trying to. In my own personal journey of giving recovery or giving support, because I'm not an expert at this, I'm just a guy that's gone through the program, and I want to I want to give back like I have been given. Right. So I'm not an expert at at all of these things. So in my personal journey of giving support, I am focusing more on encouragement and love and less giving advice, which is kind of a no no in the twelve steps. Yes. Yeah. It's more of like asking questions, making um, suggestions, pointing them to the program, pointing them to their higher power and helping them connect that way so that they can progress. Yeah. And I love that because like you said, there, there's, there's so many people out there that are willing to give advice. And I mean, I get paid to give advice, but really the good, when I feel like I'm really in my, in my element and my zone and really helpful to people, I'm not giving advice. Mm-hmm. Right. I think just human nature, like people have resources, people have, people know instinctively deep down inside what the truth is, what they need to do. And to have a place where that can unfold is such a gift. Thank you. I love that. And that's why one of my first questions I ask when I, I'm talking with a, a sponsee is, how's your step work coming? Yeah. Because I want them to be consuming those resources. I want them to be answering those questions yeah. and, and pushing forward on the steps because I know that is what's going to really help them. It really helped me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and there's nothing that, you know, probably you could say that's not already in there that they could access in, in their own way. Yeah. And so that accountability, that follow-up is huge. And I, I just love, I love the, just, I guess the commitment, you know, I've, I've not ever had a conversation on this podcast about sponsoring and so I love that we're, I don't know, that we're, that we're really kind of breaking down what that's supposed to look like and feel like for it to work correctly. Mm-hmm. And even though everybody's different and they're all going to have different styles and personalities or whatever, but the basic core principle here is that this relationship is more than just support and more than just friendship. It's an obligation. It's, it's a commitment. It's a, it's a stewardship in a way of just basically saying, you know, you've come to me to help you oversee and support and shepherd you a a certain direction. And I'm not going to fail you and just kind of collude with you and pretend and go along with all the old thinking. I'm going to step in and like interrupt that. I'm going to challenge it. 
I'm going to guide and, and support and direct this, you know, not like, again, not like in an advice giving way, but in more just a reflecting accountability type way. Yeah. Accountability. That's what it's about. Yeah. Is, by the way, there's a separate role, so to speak, called an accountability partner. Your accountability partner may not be your sponsor. It may be something that uh, may be someone that you're giving accountability to every day. Could be your sponsor, but it might not be your sponsor. Right. And so what the goal is, is to help them, if they are married, be able to have these conversations in the future with their spouse. Totally. I don't plan on being someone's sponsor for the rest of their lives. I want to guide them to a place where they are comfortable doing daily accountability with their spouse if they're married, or to be able to connect more with their higher power so that they can cope and draw energy from, cope with their problems and draw energy from their higher power when they have negative emotions they need to deal with. Yeah, I love that. It's kind of the training wheels to help them self-regulate and learn how to reach to you know, these other supports that are sustainable long-term, yes. right? Their, their spouse, their natural support system, and then of course, God. Yeah, it's, it's really sort of a dress rehearsal for life, isn't it? <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah, because I like the, the analogy used about the training wheels. Yeah. Because I didn't know anything about how to share things with my wife or even being honest about things day to day was hard for me. So having support people that could help me and examples mm -hmm. that I could look at and be like, oh my gosh, he told his wife that. Okay, well then I can do <laughs> I that I guess too. I can do that too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. The modeling and the, the examples. And I'm amazed, at, I'm amazed at how many, many people that men and women that have gone to 12 step meetings, group meetings and come back and just felt so inspired by other people's courage and their own stories of struggle and triumph, but, but seeing themselves in those, that there's so much power in that. And you, you can't get that in your normal everyday life because people just aren't that open. No. And it's sad. Mm -hmm. I wish we could be, but there's conflicting priorities. At church, you, you have, I don't know why it is this way, but you have priorities at church and you just can't, it's very difficult for people to be open book at church or the same is true at work, right? There's professional responsibilities that I have at work that prevent me from being open and honest about my past with everybody at work. <laughs> so, yeah. but 12-step groups and-, and That's what it's for. That's what it's for. Yeah, that's what it's for. So this other concept of, that you shared with me is encouraging your sponsees to recover by immersion. Mm -hmm. I love that phrase. Say more about that what that exactly means and, oh, and how yeah. you, how that's been helpful to the people you've supported. Thank you. Sponsored. Yeah. So, um, recovery by immersion is a term that I kind of think back to my, my time in the missionary training center when, uh, I was learning a different language and they had a term there called immerse yourself in the language, right? Or language immersion. Like yes, you couldn't yes. speak English. You had to speak the language. And I feel like recovery is very similar. Oh, using the language analogy, if you want to learn how to speak Spanish, one hour class a week is not going to be enough for you to learn how to speak Spanish. The best way to learn Spanish is to move to Spain or move to Mexico and be completely immersed in the language and the culture. That's what I try to impress on the people I give support to and my sponsees is recovery by immersion. 
That means for me, when I wake up, I am already thinking about my affirmation. I'm already thinking about when I'm going to pray. When I eat breakfast, if I'm by myself, I'm listening to a general conference talk. When I'm driving to work, I'm listening to a podcast. At lunch, I'm making a call to a brother or receiving a call from a brother. When I get done with work, I'm listening to another podcast or making another call. When I have quiet time at night, I'm meditating or I'm organizing, you know, something I'm writing about recovery or whatever it is. So it's constant. It's not just something I'm doing one day out of the week or one hour out of the week. I'm, it's consuming me from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed. And that's what it, that's what it requires, in my opinion. And, you know, five plus years into the process, do you still immerse yourself? I do. Is this the life you're living now? Yeah, it is. Because I think some people might hear that and think, that's all you do? (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I love what I do. I mean, we talked already about disc golf, like, but I disc golf with my recovery brothers. And we're talking about recovery there, you know? Right. I mean, we're talking about the birdies and the bogeys too, but we're, we're, you know, we're together and we're connecting. And I don't know how I can, this goes into a conversation about media too. I've eliminated media from my life and that's been important for me because I feel like that takes me away from being present Hmm. and aware of what's going on. And it's also rife with triggers for me. Yeah. So without television, without movies and without that escape all the time, I feel like I have the time I need to be able to focus on God, focus on what I need, what the brothers need that I'm supporting at the present need and and it just adds a lot of meaning to my life to be living in recovery. I love that and and my my comment earlier, you know, comes from so many people that have, you know, and I was sort of like I guess I should say sort of I don't know if it's half joking about that because so many people have come to me over the years, guys that I've worked with, especially when I start to outline for them what it's going to take. And I'm going to borrow your term uh, with the, with my clients. I love it. The, the idea of immersion, because I've explained these concepts of attending meetings, of reading and spending time outside, you know, cutting down media, really giving themselves to this process. And that's the comment a lot of them give me. They're just like, how long do I have to do that? Like, how is this going to be the rest of my life? It, like, mm-hmm. am I, and it's interesting because I, I found this to be the case, like when in observation and just even like decisions I've made in my own life in terms of cutting things out. It's like when you're filling that space with things that are like helping you grow and helping you connect deeper, there's no substitute for that. It's like real. And it's so, it's like so ennobling and it's like an upward virtuous cycle Mm -hmm. and there's no regret and there's no hangover and there's no, and you're not like slipping back into old dysfunctional patterns that create chaos. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, do you have to do this the rest of your life? At some point, you're going to want to do this for the rest of your life. That is right, right there. That's totally it. Maybe initially it's like, it's so different and there's some turbulence and some some strain because it does feel painful. I definitely- but there's a shift, I think. Oh, it is a shift. I definitely remember insinuating to my wife, like, when are we going to get back to normal? <laughs> um, exactly. That's what but- uh, really to enter recovery and to have that change of heart means that normal is, you have to find a new normal. Yeah. When can I get back to 
mind numbing escape <laughs> activities because <laughs> that's my exactly. normal. Right. And it's like the new normal now. It's almost, again, it's almost somewhat comical because it's like, you know, it's, it's sort of like when people start eating clean or starting taking care of their bodies and you realize how much just abuse you were giving yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and it is, and yeah, we're human and we slip back, but once you've had that experience and you feel how good it is and you know how good it feels rather too, whether it's physically or emotionally or spiritually be in a different place, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't mm -hmm. feel like a sacrifice anymore. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I feel like I'm there where I can draw power. I can draw energy. I love that from having a good connective conversation with a brother. I can draw mm -hmm. energy from opening up to a guy that then, re in return, opens up to me about his problems. That's connection, and I feel energy from that. I don't need to escape with the movies and the television and to feel like I'm having downtime. Yeah. And it's, it's a big change. Right. So if a guy, if a guy is listening to this, or, you know, there's also women that listen to this that are in recovery too, who are doing 12 step groups or, or even if you're not in a group and you don't have a sponsor, what's that process look like? How do you go about that? What are some of the steps? Yeah. Great question. I think it's important to just attend a group, attending a 12 step group and getting to know some of the people there will help. And then there's opportunities there where you can let them know, hey, I'm looking for a sponsor. And it might not happen overnight. It might take a couple of weeks or even a, a month or two. But when you find a group that you kind of feel at home with and you jive with, then ask for help and it will come. Okay. So it's really just a formal invitation just to approach someone and, and yeah. find out. Okay. Yeah. You need to, a person seeking a sponsor would need to ask Sometimes if someone has an opening, because people need to be careful with their time too. They don't want to get overwhelmed and take on too many sponsors. Oh, for sure. So sometimes they will say, hey, I have an opening right now. But I personally am not that fond of that approach because you need to have a good feeling. There needs to be some kind of a confirmation that it's the right person. I love that. That it's the, you know, to be... To it's be a, your sponsor. It's a relationship and it's and it has to be a good fit. What yeah. you're saying. It's it, if it's gonna be effective. Yeah. It's not just plugging someone into a slot. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it and it's an investment of time. Yeah, that's true. Like I, mean, I want to get to know this brother like people did for me. They got to know me. They understood where I was at. They understood my triggers and my boundaries and where I was struggling at the moment. And that's not a five minute conversation. Yeah. And then once you get to know someone and you care about them, then you can feel like, okay, yeah, I, I feel like this will be a good relationship. And then jump into that formal, okay, what do you want out of this? What can I do for you? What can I do to help you in your recovery journey? What do you expect of me in having some of those conversations? And I guess just wrapping up here, I, I do want to, we mentioned this at the beginning, I, I do want to talk about how to apply these principles to just our day-to-day -day relationships with our kids when they struggle, if you're a ecclesiastical leader, or if you're even just as a spouse or a friend who is a family member, who's just maybe being approached by someone who's struggling. And all of us find ourselves in this situation on a regular basis. What do you feel like you've learned having now been a sponsor and, and supporting and strengthening these, these other good men? How has that changed you as a, as a listener, as a friend, as a supporter? What can we learn from that? I feel like I am, I've gone through 
hard things. And so I'm better able to empathize with people who are going through hard things. And I've learned that honesty and vulnerability are my friends. And when I'm honest and vulnerable with those individuals, then they feel safe to be honest and vulnerable back. And without being honest and vulnerable, then I don't really feel like there's going to be a whole lot of progress. What would that look like? Honest and vulnerable. I mean, if somebody's listening, it's going like, huh, so what, what does that exactly look like? If I'm supporting someone, what is, what is my honesty and vulnerability look like offering it to them? Mm-hmm. It's being able to show understanding and to, to really be able to look somebody in the eyes and say, I, I do understand how that feels. I understand how, how you're hurting or being honest and saying, I can't imagine how that feels. And just being honest back to them saying, I haven't been through that difficult thing that you're going through, but I, I'm so sorry. Or, you know, just being empathetic. I could like really letting their experience like really affect you, touch you. Yes. Yeah. Like feeling with them. Yeah. We talk about walking a mile in someone else's shoes or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just really carrying one another's burdens. And I think it's, it actually can be very difficult to do that well, but it is so important to connect. Yeah, which, I, which is why I think a lot of times we jump to advice giving. Mm-hmm. I think it's a way to get out of that discomfort. If I can, or or if I can... to be time-saving, right? Like... <laughs> yeah, to not have to sit with the discomfort, sit with the time and yeah. just... But the real healing I know in my own life has come when people just sit with me and listen and just are there. I can't think of very much advice that's ever really actually helped me, but I can think of countless examples of people that have just seen me. I agree. And those, there have been many men in my life who have just listened mm-hmm. and been able to understand. And it's been really helpful. Yeah. That's so powerful. I, I love, I love that, uh, you know, I, I just love the idea of, I mean, I think about trying to figure out how to say this. Like, I think in my mind's eye, I'm just thinking, wow, so many times we think of men that they're not emotional or that they're not or that we're not, I'm a man, (laughs) (laughs) that men that we're not emotional, that we're not relational, that we're not open, that, you know, there's all kinds of stereotypes and biases about men. And I agree that a lot of men are living way beneath their privilege of what's possible for them. Mm -hmm. But when I hear and connect with your story and see what you're doing to support these other men and the ways that you've also supported, been supported, it just really just energizes me. And I, and I think, right, like this is what I mean, how powerful is that for a group of men to get together, throw some plastic discs around, whatever, but like (laughs) to sit around and share their lives, talk about their struggles, be real, be honest, be safe. And then to go back into their areas of responsibility, their work, their families, their, their communities, their churches, and just offer that strength. I mean, that's, I can't think of a better model than that. And that to me is just so cool to think of, of that as just as a way of life. Yeah, It just feeds on itself and creates so much strength instead of just a bunch of guys sitting around numbing out, living small. Mm-hmm. Like there's just so much power in what you're describing. And so I just, I admire you. I admire what you're doing and what you're offering and what you're teaching and, and helping other men experience. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. And I want to be clear that I have made mistakes in giving support to men or sponsoring men. Sometimes I've been too hard or I've said the wrong thing. For sure. And that is, it's a really tough line to follow. 
I was thinking about this yesterday when I was driving down here that recovery is also kind of like a pair of glasses. Like if if I have a brother who's saying, hey, I can't read that page, I can't just hand him my glasses and be like, hey, put these on. I'm trying to be more conscious. That's that so true. Everybody's recovery is going to have a different prescription. And so asking questions, asking them if they've thought about this or have they tried that, that's more of the type of sponsor I want to be in the direction I'm heading. Well, and there's a real respect there for the other person's story, their, like you said, their experiences, their temperament, their personality, their own family situation. There's so much context there that, you know, that may not even mirror anything that you're living. Mm-hmm. And so I love that. It's, it's, it just feels so respectful. And one thing I've always found is that pointing people to God, pointing people to Christ, I cannot go wrong there. So true. And I have gained so much progress in my recovery from connecting with God and realizing that Jesus Christ is not just my Savior and my Redeemer, but that He's also my brother, and He understands what I'm going through, really. Right. The ultimate sponsor. (laughs) Well said. (laughs) Right, because He's definitely held up the mirror for me plenty of times, but with so much love and commitment. And what is, uh, I think Elder Neil A. Maxwell said, his relentless redemptiveness exceeds my recurring wrongs, right? <laughs> oh, that sounds like Neil A. Maxwell. <laughs> Lots of alliteration. But that, I mean, that really kind of sums up the whole idea of, of this process is, you know, the, the commitment to stay with someone and be there for them. And, and of course, you know, on a spiritual level and on a very human spiritual level, like we have that in God and, and the Savior but also on on the boots on the ground with your brothers and the people you're supporting, it's a very similar rescue and support. And I just think it's fantastic. So thank you for sharing your wisdom, your experience, your story. I recognize that, you know, and before we met you, you were like, I, I certainly am nervous to hold myself up as any kind of like example, but you know, we need examples and we need, we need to hear from people who are doing the work and showing up and thank you for, for being that person today and, and bringing this here and, and spreading this message of hope. And I hope as you've listened, my friends, that you can hear and feel the sincerity and the growth here. I feel it. It's real. And I hope that you can just at least hold on to that, that healing is possible. So thank you, Thomas, so much. This has been great. Thank you, Jeff. You can learn more about Thomas and the great work that he and his wife are doing on their website, destroytheplague.com. And I'll put links to that in the show notes. And you can pick up a copy of his book, From Dark to Light, And they've also got a 12-step manual for teenagers. And they've just got some great stuff. So check them out and see the great work that they're doing. Once again, thank all of you for being a part of this community. I just really appreciate the great support and feedback you're giving me. And I just love seeing what it's doing for your lives. You can check out more resources on my website, fromcrisistoconnection.com. Check me out on social media. I'm very active on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Lots of great resources to help support you in your journey from crisis to connection. Thanks, everyone. It's good to be with all of you one more week, and I'll catch you next week in the next episode.